there, folks. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. It is a Wednesday, so we're going to talk about a conservative myth and debunk it. And I do have to thank my stepbrother. He is the inspiration for this episode. I got to spend time with him over Thanksgiving, and he is, I don't actually know how what he considers himself, but I would say he comes across as liberal. He definitely is a term progressive, so let's say progressive. And we were talking about money and the rich and the poor and the income gap, etc. And it was a very good opportunity to have a discussion with someone with whom I disagree. We were both willing to listen to each other and just have a conversation. And afterwards, there were no slam doors. There was no, I'm never talking to you again, you horrible capitalist pig or anything like that. It was just a conversation. And then we moved on to talking about other things, which is how it should go. So thank you, stepbrother, for the inspiration. So conservatives and money. This is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And it really was great that I had the conversation with him because it cemented some ideas in my mind of how people view the world. It also gave me an opportunity to flex some of my new knowledge brought to me by Thomas Sowell. By the way, Thomas Sowell is probably one of the greatest Americans currently living and potentially of all time. If you have not read anything by Thomas Sowell, go do so now. He makes economics fascinating. And if you didn't think economics could be fascinating, you're probably like most people, but he makes it fascinating. And he he just asks a lot of questions and a lot of, well, what if we looked at the world this way? Or what if our, what if we changed our assumptions a little bit? Anyway, highly recommend Thomas Sowell. Also, he's 90 and still, you know, still kicking, still, still 100% with it. So check out his videos, check out his books. This is not a paid endorsement. I just love Thomas Sowell. Anyway, so back to the topic of conservatives and money. People assume conservatives are obsessed with money, that we look at the world through a money prism because we support capitalism. And I think this is an example of projection. I think the left looks at the world through a lens of money, so therefore they think that we do the same. But the only time that conservatives in general talk about money is when it comes to, is when we are talking about the free market. But other than that, money is actually not a central focus in our lives. We don't think that money is the cause of all problems or the solution to all problems. It's a tool. And a tool, like most any tool, can be used for good or for bad. But it's not, even the people who are working very hard for a lot of money, generally, they're not working for the money. They're working for a particular lifestyle to take care of their kids or so that they and their spouse can go on vacations. It's about, I I guess it's about what the money can do, but they're not really obsessed with money. It's really the left who's obsessed with money because everything comes back to money. I mean, doesn't it? They are constantly talking about the 1% or the gap between the rich and the poor or the poor or how it's unfair that people have so much or that certain people should pay more in taxes or that things should be free, or that poverty causes crime. So much of the conversation about how the left sees the world comes back to money, as opposed to the conservatives, where so much most of our conversations come back to values. And this is evident because the left, the left thinks money can solve 
all problems, right? If we give more money to schools, we'll have better education. If we, if we give more money to poor people, then there will be less crime. If people pay more in taxes, then we can have better social programs. People should have free college education because no one should be left out of college. People should have free health care because health care is something that should be a right, right? It's something that should be a right. So everything comes back to money. Or of course, this goes back to, you know, talking about envy. People are then envious of those who have more and they, you know, they occupied Wall Street and they deride, deride? I think that's the verb I'm looking for. Someone please uh, leave me a note if it's not, but they deride the 1% for having too much money or, you know, that people aren't paying their fair amount. So everything, oh, and especially, you know, oh, some people are making so much and it's at the expense of their workers or how come they have so much and I have so little. So that's back to envy because it's wanting what someone else has. So many of their discussions come back to money. And I think because their worldview is through a money lens, they assume that that's how conservatives look at the world. But it's not. One of the things that I was able to talk about with my stepbrother, he said, well, you know, poverty causes crime. So if you give people more money, there will be less crime. And on top of the fact that that doesn't bear out in actual numbers, just forget the numbers and forget statistics. Think about it this way. First of all, if poverty causes crime, then when all people, all poor people would commit crime, right? Because it's not, you don't have a choice, it's you're poor, and then you commit a crime. But we know that not all poor people commit crime, and I'm sure actually that the vast majority of poor people aren't committing crimes, other than the little crimes that we all, you know, we speed sometimes, or we, I don't know, that's the one I can think of the most. Like, we're all committing small crimes, plus there's so many laws we don't even know. But, you know, small crimes that we're unaware of, sure, speeding and things like that, we're all doing. But committing crime because you're poor, I think there's this idea in people's minds that all poor people are Jean Valjean stealing a crust of bread or stealing whatever the equivalent is to take care of their family. But that's that's not how most poor people are. Poor people are people. They just happen to be poor. So some of them, some poor people work very hard. For their money and some poor people commit crimes but guess what that is also true of rich people right because if poverty commit if poverty caused crime would there be white collar crime i mean it, seriously would there be plus if we if we say that poverty causes crime we are both excusing people who are poor for committing crimes and we're also putting a blanket statement so that anytime someone who isn't poor walks by someone who is poor, they're going to look at that poor person askance and think, oh, well, they're poor, and so maybe they're going to try to rob me. And that's not fair, because most poor people aren't going around mugging or shoplifting or murdering people or, or committing crimes. They're living good lives. Because it's not about poverty, it's about values. One can be poor and choose to steal or one can be poor and not choose to steal. One can be rich and choose to steal, and one can be rich, right? What about all those famous actresses who were caught stealing, or you know, Bernie Madoff and people like that? That doesn't have to do with money, it has to do with values. And by saying that poverty causes crime, we are robbing people who are poor, whatever the definition of poor is, 
from the choice to be moral. We're saying because you don't have money, you can't, you no longer have the human capacity to choose whether to be a moral person. And isn't that a terrible thing to assume? It's so patronizing. Oh, you like you don't have enough money, so we understand if you steal because it's obviously just too hard for you to make moral choices and to be a good person. It's a load of BS. It's so patronizing and it's dumb and it ignores it ignores reality. Even saying poor people, like they're some monolithic group, is number one not not a true thing. It's not a monolithic group because <laughs> because within this group that we might call poor people. There are people of different cultures and people who live in different parts of the country and different levels of poor, and there could be single poor people or families that are poor. So it saying poor doesn't mean the same thing. Also, as another thing that Thomas Sowell points out, most people in certain income brackets move around. Yes, there, there are some people who are the Elon Musks and the Bill Gateses of the world, and now that they've made their billions, they're billionaires. That's just the way it is. And there are some people who, through their own fault and sometimes through losing the genetic lottery, you know, might have mental illness or physical illness or might be addicted to drugs or whatever it is. There are some people who are just constantly poor and can't support themselves. So there are that. But most people are moving in and out. And when income statistics are written about, shows a widening gap, let's say, between the rich and the poor, or the income of the rich is, you know, 10 times what it was 20 years ago, whatever the number is. And when we hear that, we think, oh, the rich, like it's these 10 people who are rich and these 10 people who are poor. But mostly, as Thomas Sowell points out, the incomes change, like the numbers change, but but the people are also moving. It's not the same 10 people who are rich, it's different people who are rich. And some some of the poor people, you know, finally they're business paid off and now they're at the top and the rich people who you know got all their investments in one year so they were really rich and had a high income one year then the next year were low again so people are constantly moving in those income brackets so saying poor people like it's some monolithic group who all thinks the same and acts the same and is subject to the same values and circumstances is unfair and just and just wrong so that was one of the things that we talked about what was underpinning the whole conversation because he mentioned things like well what if bill gates and bill gates is does seem to be pretty philanthropic you know but what if he and elon musk and jeff bezos you know if they gave all their money to taxes and we could fix some roads and build some schools which first of all i i know these studies have been done where there is saying even if they gave you know either all or some huge percentage of their taxes it would help the country for like two days five days and then and then that's it not really enough to make any major changes. But why should they have this much? And why can't they pay more in taxes? And and it all really came back, I mean, it all really comes back to envy, right? Wanting what other people have and being upset that they have it. And then we explained to him, well, first of all, there's not a zero sum of money. It's not like someone, someone else making a lot of money doesn't mean that you now are not able to make money because wealth is created. And there's a reason we say wealth is created as opposed to wealth is taken. There's not some zero sum of money that, you know, it's not like there's there's $1 billion and you make your 100 and you make your 100 and you make your 100 until all the billion is used and then, you know, you spend it back at the store. So then it's it's not like that. Wealth can constantly be created. There can be more money. He also talked about schools needing more money, except schools that have more money 
aren't always the ones that perform better. He mentioned they're not paying their fair share, which is when we explained, first of all, who who are we to decide what a fair share is? Or who are we to decide the kind of lifestyle that people live? If people are earning money, why shouldn't they be allowed to live in a big mansion and have a boat and a vacation home and a private jet? I have never liked the idea that there's some that there's some baseline. He, he said, as Americans, there should be certain things we should all have, like shelter and food and health care. And while that does sound really nice and there's not a conservative in the world who doesn't think, yes, we wish that everyone would have those things in their life. We don't, it's not like conservatives like to see people suffering, God forbid. But, well, what is basic shelter? Is it literally just a hut? I mean, we could all afford to live in huts. We could make that happen. But what if you have a big family? Do you get a bigger house? What if you prefer living in the country? What if you prefer living in the city? There can't really be a basic shelter because needs and desires are different. Same thing with food. There can't be a basic, I guess, you know, maybe the idea is, okay, everyone gets their $200 for food a month and then you can choose what to spend it on. But maybe some people need more money than that. Maybe some people need less. Some people don't eat as much. Some people like to eat more. Some people like really fine food. Some people are okay with really basic food. And who's making the decision about what we can spend what kind of food we can spend our money on, or even healthcare. Some people unfortunately need need to visit the doctor a lot more and need a lot more medical attention and prescription drugs and devices. And some of us, thank God, that's not the case and we don't have to visit the doctor as much. So who gets to decide? I guess the question comes back to who gets to decide what your needs are. And do you only get your needs met or can you also get your desires met? Because we could all live according to literally our needs. I mean, cavemen lived according to their needs, right? They had shelter, they had food, they had stuff to cover their bodies. That was it. But we don't live that way, thank God. We have choices and we can live not just based on our animal instincts, but also if we prefer to live in the city or the country, or if we prefer a house to an apartment, or if we have a very basic diet, or if we like fancy food, we have choices. And the idea that there should be some basic needs met means ultimately that's going, or at least as my stepbrother and others of his ilk posited, that means the government is making some choice about all of the money that people get. And, and as conservatives, we don't want that because we think people should be able to make the choice and that we know ourselves best. And we don't want other people in charge of making the decisions of our lives. We want choice and freedom and it, it's not about money. And I, I think just because we're running long here, getting back to the point is that conservatives really don't see the world through money. We see it through values and people can act based on values and are not subject to how much money they have. People have choice, choice of how to act, but also choices in what kind of lifestyle one wants to live and we don't want other people telling us what to do. And we are not envious of what other people have because ultimately what other people have and what other people do is their business. And if someone has a billion dollars, great, good for them. Instead of trying to take it from them, I'm going to try to replicate what they did so that maybe I can also have a billion dollars. Or maybe having a billion dollars isn't as important to me because instead of spending 80 hours a week in the office, I'd rather 
have a good work-life balance so I can spend more time with my family. And that's also the choice. And some people might choose money and some people might choose family or some people choose artistic pursuits or whatever it is. So the next time you're in a conversation with someone and they accuse conservatives of being greedy, ask them why they think that and then ask them what they think about someone making a lot of money and why it bothers them. And if you are one of the people that it bothers, maybe this is an opportunity to take a moment and ask, why does it bother me what other people make? Maybe this is an opportunity to look within and to find that gratitude and leave your envy behind. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day!